should leave that in. Um, <laughs> good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Three Blades, uh, not in the pub, sadly, on Zoom. Very late as well, quarter to ten, but that committed to those 23 podcasts this season. I'm John. Fortunately, no Dan tonight, so the laughs won't be as regular, but thankfully I am joined by Phil. Good evening. Good evening, you two, and everybody else. And uh, Ian, good evening to you. Good evening. So, we'll, try and fill, we'll try and fill the laugh vacuum somehow, I guess. But I know. I, know. I mean, we are... We've been rehearsing analogies today, and I just forgot. I forgot. <laughs> we're a sad state of affairs. I mean, the reason we're doing it so late is Phil went to the gym, and we were so flexible and in support of him exercising. We were like, we'll do it later. I was drinking in the park and looking on this. I've got a really red face, so... God knows what gibberish I'll come out. But we played two games, boys. Um, two very different results, some two very different performances. Watford, obviously, we didn't we didn't get anything from Watford. Uh, I think they were a bit sharper than we all predicted, certainly. And then against Millwall on Saturday, we had a very dominating first half and convincing win in the end. And obviously, everyone and his dog bet on. Uh, Jake Cooper to score, and that didn't happen. So at least that hoodoo's broken for a while. So how have you seen the two games? Uh, Watford, I thought there was a massive overreaction afterwards from large parts of this fan base. I thought we weren't we weren't great by any stretch, but we weren't that bad. Second half, we were probably worse than we were first half, but they're, they're the best attacking team for the players they've got in the division. And we kept them relatively quiet, barring a mistake, for near enough the whole game, which gives me a lot of comfort that we're doing the right thing, certainly defensively. And we've, we've talked about defences win titles. Strikers might win games, but defences win titles. And I think it shows you that playing players out of position and still keeping three forwards like that at bay for the majority of the game shows us that we've got a fairly decent base to work from. And, and that kind of proved as, proved again on Saturday. I thought we were a little bit toothless going forward, but we've got that many attacking options to come into the side. Once we're settled on who we've got, don't worry about us at all. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think for me on Watford, and I went on Radio Sheffield just before it and said, look, a bit like what we said on the last pod, that, that result against Watford doesn't, doesn't define the season. We could lose tonight, but I'm still feeling positive about the season. And I think that that holds. We, I think someone had a go on at the pod Twitter about us being too optimistic in our predictions. You know, I think we we put we. You either play Watford as in, with a new manager, just relegated, and you catch them on the hop, or the alternative is you, you face them with their strongest eleven that they'll probably put out for much of the season, and might not have that same strength of eleven at the start of the season. Like you say, the the, the front three in particular. There wasn't a lot wrong as an away performance. I thought performance dipped a bit second half, but we'd, we'd clearly come into it with a lot of disruption to the squad. They clearly didn't expect Amadovic, you know, to be unavailable. And then the, you know, the injury to Robinson thrown into the mix. I thought the way we, we, we performed was creditable. But clearly, I think we're going we're to take a few weeks before we see the best out of this team until the team settles down. Well, yeah, and and I think with the the Watford performance, the back five was patched up, 
and we talked about a need for consistency in that area. And I think that is an area of the pitch that that will come quite quickly in the next couple of weeks. I think it might take a bit longer at the top end of the pitch for things to become like very defined about um, who plays where. But <clears throat> we sat on when we sat and did the pre-season pod, I said, what we're missing is people come on maybe and make something happen from the bench when everyone's available. And we're now, um, we're now in a, a position for that to happen. So we've got a player from Man City who Premier League clubs are after who can come on and change a game. I imagine he ends up starting most games once he gets up to speed, if he's as good as his uh, highlights uh, reel suggest. But I think overreaction is like, it's probably, <clears throat> especially online now, it's like a byproduct of having success for so long. We've talked about this, that we're a bit spoiled. And I think, you know, losing 1-0 away to like a promotion rival is not ideal. But we didn't do it with three games to go and needing every point we could to like get automatic promotion or something. You just push it off and move on. And the players did that with a fantastic performance on Saturday. With the just going back to the overreaction, the thing that annoyed me most was the amount of people slating Kieran Clark. And admittedly, first ten minutes he looked like an absolute car crash, playing the wrong side of a of a back three against probably the at that time Dennis was playing on their left, and he was just he was stretching him and, and pulling him apart. His first game for us, his first game for quite a while because he hasn't played for Newcastle for a long time as well under them circumstances, to gather himself and then have a relatively good game because he put a couple of good blocks in and a couple of good headers. And then to put the performance in he did on Saturday, I thought he was tremendous. And people were people were slating him after the first game. And it just summed, it sums up the football manager generation. I don't know what it is, but like you say, people... people are so quick to judge on social media nowadays that it, it's... And it becomes fact... And it, it just irritates me. People need to give these players a little bit of time. I mean, if after 10 games, Kieran Clark's not up to speed, then you can start saying, well, how come we brought him in to play instead of Robinson when he's clearly not better than him, etc., etc." You can't. They've been on the right-hand side of, like, just completely out of position. And it just so happened that we didn't have... We had a suspension. And then normally, when our Bosnian meandering god gets... Uh, yeah, it's injured. Uh, we were going to have Basham to play there, and we didn't. So, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, I mean, would suggest he's running forward without purpose. I think he runs forward with some purpose. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting if it's true that he has been on the full scouting scouting teams radar for so long because he is very much an overlapping centre half, isn't he? Or just gets no, forward. Let's get what. Let's go one thing straight. How we? What are we calling him? Because I think we've talked to it's now Amadodzic or Armadodzic. What what is that? Do you agree or? I think Amadodzic. That'll do. I mean, we're still going. It's going to be hard. Um, I think because that's what they were singing. We love anal. We do at the back of the cop. Yeah, well, that'll be ringing down the Hawthorns tomorrow night. I'm sure, but like, hopefully not from Steve Bruce. But like, um, yeah, regardless. I know you didn't go to the game Saturday, but he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He won everything in the air. Challenges on the floor. He put in two or three good tackles, got around the back, covering Egan. 
added to the fact that he goes forward with purpose, he can pick a pass, he can yeah. take a shot. It's one game, so let's not go overboard. The same way we let's not go overboard with Kieran Clark playing badly in one game. Let's not go too far, but he looks a real player. That was that was the best defensive debut I can remember probably since Babakis. High praise indeed. I mean, yeah, for various circumstances meant I couldn't get up there on Saturday, watch some extended highlights. Um, and then, yeah, various things happened on Saturday, but that's a story for after the podcast. But yeah, it's... Um, it, it's really good to see that the the shoots, the green shoots are so positive with someone we've gone and spent money on. And I think the way he came in and everything, it was obvious that they've done done the work on him. So let's hope that he just kicks on from that and goes on and 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 plays really well um on particularly the weekend if he's starting, if he doesn't get a game tomorrow at the Hawthorns. But what was so refreshing after the Watford win is We've done this a few times on the Hecking Bottom. Is we've we've come out the traps at home and taken a game that think about Fulham at home. I think <clears throat> is a prime example of when it last happened. The Fulham game was very much we could do with a win here just to really set a stall out and just went and blew the champions away from the kickoff. And it was like that happened again against Millwall, who are quite fancied, have some players who could hurt us, but. Yeah, fantastic. It should have been 3-0. Could debate penalties till the cows comes home, but some go in and some don't, I think, is the thing. with People getting on Norwood's back about that. I mean, he hits the penalty well. He's not scuffed it down the keepers to straight to the keeper, has he? I think no, there's a... The I think... keeper did a job on him. The keeper got in his head, didn't they? And, and if Norwood had got his head up, he could have just rolled it in the other side because the keeper was halfway across the goal before he did, before he'd even kicked it. But like you say, better players than Ollie Norwood are going to miss penalties, so... I think it just annoyed me that it, it, it turned in, it added fuel to the Norwood's, Norwood's had a bad game, shouldn't be playing, needs to get dropped brigade, which the irony is Norwood's me. first half was brilliant. Yeah. He was like Norwood of two years ago when we first signed him, three years ago, whatever it was. He was brilliant. But they all were. First half, they all were. I think that that's the thing in it. First half, and Jai and Brewster were causing havoc at the back. The movement was good across the pitch. Like you say, it wasn't that. Clark started getting forward down the other the other side um, as well. Um, I, at half-time, I couldn't fault any, you know, there was no no negative thought about any one of our players. You know, they'd all contributed to a, a, a really strong first-half performance. And for me, Millwall offered no threat. That's the other side of that first-half performance. It wasn't just that, you know, we scored a couple of goals and the penalty, but then we were. It was harem scarem at the other end. It wasn't really at all. It wasn't second half in either. Yeah, no, Whilst exactly. Had lots and lots of the ball and they took lots of lots of crosses and long, long throws and free kicks into the box. I can't really remember any time where I thought we're in trouble here. No, and that's credit again to the to the back three, back five, and and League One West because we look we look really really strong. And West was commanding. Yeah, he was against one of the better teams in the division for those kind of um, challenges as well, because there's not many better aerial teams than Millwall, as Jake Cooper's proven for the last three years. And as Cresswell proved the week before, the opening day of the season, because he bagged two, bagged two again with the. Head. I mean, it, it. I think, I think we lost. We lost his way certainly second half, and I think we. I mean, they had to come out of the traps. They had to. They had to come at us and try and peg us back to try and get something from that that game. So 
yeah, should we should we be surprised it wasn't as dominating? I guess we just didn't quite have the movement. You could see that with Brewster tiring and Jai tiring uh, in particular. We just perhaps lacked some of the outlet that we had. And so we did lose that momentum in the first sort of 15, 20 minutes and a half. But like you say, it wasn't like we were sitting there thinking they're going to score here. Mm. I, I don't think I sat there worried, really. In mid-second halves this season, I think all teams are going to have to go undertake quite like a drastic learning on how to deal with and use effectively five substitutes. I think that is going to be like I think the teams who can work out how to get the best out of their set of players using those effectively um, are going to do very well because I think it can. I think it ultimately can confuse you if you if you have too many people coming in and out. I think that's one of the reasons at Watford in the second half there wasn't really anything. Was it was like there was a change, two players on five minutes, another two, and then before you know it, like shape and everything have gone completely out the window. And obviously, as the new recruits get used to the system and stuff, it shouldn't be it'll be less of a problem. But I do think that will always for the next couple of months, even like slow a lot of teams down in the second half if they're on top or if they're trying to change a game, could actually end up completely capitulating because, it, like you know, it's it's a new way of it's a new way of playing. Really, I don't know if you two think I'm like overstating the importance of it. I just think well, it, I, I think you made a really good point the last last um, time we we talked and. You talked about the Lionesses and the way they did it. <clears throat> they were very, very deliberate with their substitutes. It was the same two players off, the same two players on every game. You can almost say that we've got too many options to do that. But I think over a period of time, I think Heckenbottom will realise or, or get to grips with what his starting eleven is. And the, you'll start seeing the same subs coming on or similar subs coming on at about the same time, week in, week out. Right now, I think the point you make is really good. People like Kadra and um, McAtee, they're not up to speed with with our, our system yet. And that's going to take a little bit of time because they've only been here five minutes. And you add people like McBurney into it as well because he's coming back to fitness and they've been talking him up quite highly today. Well, let's just see Let's just see where we go. I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, it was, um, I think the... Ollie McBurney, Chef United line could come from the fact that Stuart McCall mentioned that he went in the gym with Jack O'Connell, which will endear him to a lot of supporters just because he's become... And if you watched on the Behind the Blades thing after the game, it might have been one of the videos, when they're in the, they're all going back in the changing room after uh, O'Connell and McBurney like, came in arm in arm, like obviously they've struck up a, a gym friendship um, together. Not something I'd normally praise somebody for, but, you know, we've got a slim pickings with things from McBurney. But you, like you say, McCall spoke highly of him in his presser before the West Brom game, scored for the reserves. See what happens. That, lots of like lots of genuine options in that top end of the pitch. I'm, just, I'm not concerned the wrong word, but I'd, I would like to see as get, I'd, I think it's going to take a while to get the blend right up there. So we'll see. We'll I think a lot will depend on where Berger is at the end of this month. Yeah. Because <clears throat> obviously there's going to be a six foot five Norwegian shaped hole somewhere in that team if if he goes. So I'll tell you what I would what one thing I would say about the both the first two games, Elliman and Jai, if he carries on the way he started this season, is gonna be unreal. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard to keep in January. Oh yeah. We I don't think we're even gonna scratch the surface with how good he could be. He's, he's yeah. got everything. He has got it. 
add finishing to his game, which sounds stupid because he scored four in his last six league games. But generally, his finishing has been a bit off when he's been in one-on-one situations. If he can add that to his game, which he did superbly Saturday, he's he's got the lot. He could go right to the very top. 100%. We've touched on it before. It was I thought the thing on Saturday, up against the defenders he was up against, was his strength on the ball, holding people <clears throat> off, rolling them. Laying the ball off, you know, linking linking play as well as being a goal threat, and and you know, if he if he can withstand the challenge of, of that back line from Millwall, then he can do it against any any back four in this back five back four in this division. He looks so much stronger than he did last year. Although it's frustrating, he went down with cramp again on Saturday. But yeah, um, that that'll come in with minutes in his legs, won't it? Which I think there's a chance why he'll play tomorrow night. But um, yeah. I know you said you touched on it earlier, John, that somebody was, or it might be new in, somebody was giving us some stick on Twitter for being too optimistic. Don't really care if people think that. Genuinely, I think we keep this bunch of players together. We're the best side in this division. Doesn't always mean that you get the results you expect to get and you, and you, you automatically win the league. Okay. But I honestly think with the spine of the team we've got and the players and the options that we've got, keeping them together and with a bit of, bit of luck with fitness... I'm struggling to see a better all-round squad than what we've yeah. got. Well, I think the I think it, this, that's a really good point to link to the next two games because obviously we're playing one in the cup, so who knows what team we'll put out and what team West Brom will put out. But uh, I think in a good, it's a good thing that there is the West Brom game tomorrow because it calms people down from some sort of um, wilder sort of fetishing going off on Twitter for as long as it would be if the next game was Middlesbrough straight off. But we've we've got we're playing two of the rivals. Now I think West Brom are a different beast to Middlesbrough. But you look at both teams and who gen- I'd probably take Johnny Housen from Middlesbrough and play him instead of Fleck. But after that from Middlesbrough, apart from some prospects. Their I'm- young right back's good, isn't he? Yeah, I'm, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not like desperate for any of their players. Yeah. Housen had instantly improved that position, flight plays, and 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 really add a bit of grit in there. Maybe like Paddy McNair as well, possibly. But like genuinely, I think we've got a lot more desirable players. And then West Brom, obviously Swift, Grant, a lot of like uh, Wallace, big fan of Wallace. I've been for ages, but like. Excuse me. Ultimately, like they'd be looking at us, and be like, I'll "Tell you what, we ain't got a better centre back than Egan or Clark, or uh, well, they don't know about him yet." But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I think he's. We're. De- I think, like you say, Phil, it's on paper. Definitely. <laughs> my, my dad's always said, "Cheers, Chris." My dad's always said, um, "From I can remember it from me being quite young." He's always moaned about, oh, we've got nobody that other teams would be worried about. And we have now. We've got three or four players that other teams would be worried about. In Njai, in Berger, Billy Sharp always worries other teams. You've got people like Kadra to come off the bench. I think he'll start tomorrow night. We've got so many options. And then you add to the fact, like we've just said, people like Kieran Clark and John Egan and <laughs> arguably for the second half of last season, the best goalkeeper in the division as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's 100% is. Like, I don't think, I think the stats, you can't, nobody can argue against Fodringham being the best goalkeeper in the league statistically. Like, and I think with keepers, 
stats are so important. And yeah, he has got a good defence in front of him, but he makes that defence good, as we saw when old Papadomans was in front behind the other one. So a question, a question on tomorrow night then, because mm-hmm. I think Chops put on one of the chats last night how I think it was three out of 14, 15 championship sides went through last night and they were the ones who'd played all the championship sides. Looking tonight, Borough's lost to Barnsley. Uh, Sunderland's lost to Hillsborough. Um, Bristol City beat Coventry in an all-championship tie and Blackman's the only side to go through playing a non-championship side. So it's clear that other teams are probably not treating the cup, you know, as a as something to try and pursue. Probably thinking about a fixture backlog later as well with the World Cup earlier and then the, the the sort of we you know congestion that might create. Do we want a? Do we want a cup run? Or b? Do we just see it as an opportunity to get these players playing and don't worry about the result. Get get minutes in the legs of people like McAtee. Um, Kadra, Jebison, others. I think the League Cup for us. Is, I always think back to two seasons, the only two we've probably ever in his history done all right in the League Cup, and that was obviously the triple assault season. Some stato will be breathing down my neck about that. But obviously, the triple assault season, getting to the semi there against Liverpool, and it didn't do as any harm in creating momentum in the league. Uh, and we actually took some scalps in that. And the, obviously the other time was under Clough when we lost to Spurs ultimately at the lane. And the actual cup run like just kept a, kept a bang average side ticking over and actually doing well. And that that team, I talk about sides that picked themselves for ages, that did. And it was basically Baxter as a false nine and then occasionally we'll put McNulty on in the league, won't score, but... You know, get him off the bench. We didn't really have a, a deep squad. We've got these options, these forward players now. I think it's I think it's an opportunity. Obviously you need to get a bit lucky to get through the first rounds, but I think you I think we just get we we go for it, but we don't risk anyone that isn't quite there in terms of fitness. So you know you might see one of the more experienced defenders play tomorrow because they could yeah. do it on Sunday and and maybe you get like I'd imagine sharp starts and cadre starts and, and and players like who were, who who might end up being regular starters. But I think we'll just have to see. I just think we go for it a little bit. And you can almost you, you can take you you can just go for it. It's not like when we play West Brom in the league, who knows, I don't know when that fixture is, but I imagine there'll be a bit more riding on it by then. Yeah. And we're gonna have to tactically approach the game. They're probably going to be in the same boat. I think they they must be playing on Sunday as well. So just are they playing on Sunday? Must be. I haven't checked actually. I've not well, even thought about who they're playing. Just go for it a bit. That, it's that early bit in the season, it where I don't really care about what other teams do. Just focus on how we're developing more than anything. Because that that's just an, a point. Another aside. We're, we're two games into the season. Sorry, I'm jumping around off the cup here a minute. But two games into the season, and only one championship sides won both their games. That's got to be a rarity. You normally have at least, you know, four, five, six teams that might have picked up two wins in the first two games. It's only Blackburn won the first two games in the championship. So I people, teams are still trying to find the feet. Hundred so. percent. And you, you, we talk about a fixture backlog. Even if you if you get to the semi-finals, right, including the semi-finals, you're looking at 
seven games, but three of those games are uh, like two in August, and then there isn't the third round till like November, fourth round December. Um, it, but it, like the December one, I'll actually be if if we were still in the cup come the fourth round, the December one's like a post post Qatar Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday schedule. So it actually might end up being a beneficial fixture to have after that break, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think we go for it. And like I said, I think we have to approach the, we don't have to approach it in the sort of sort of way we will when we play West Brom in the league. I think it's go and have a go and see what happens. A few debuts for a few of the young lads who have been in and around pre-season and done okay as well with some experience, see what happens. Just don't get anyone injured who's important. Yeah. They do that in, in training, don't they, apparently? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. I think for, if you... Under Chris Wilder, we seem to be very lucky for about four years where none of our big best players were injured for long periods of time. And I think as a fan base, we might have forgot that football clubs have injuries. Because we've got a few. I mean, the Koulibaly thing is... Um, frustrating slash weird but nobody knows how bloody good he is anyway and also if he was called John, Ian or Phil I don't think there'd be as much clamour about it but you know he, he might be fantastic he might be another NGI but he could also be another Diego DJ Alamo couldn't he so that's just you know it's, I hope he gets well he's, he's been injured something was in his knee but it's not and like Robinson getting injured, impact injury, really shit luck. Same with the goalie. I mean, I hurt myself doing very, very simple things around the house uh, as a 35-year-old. So, yeah, I don't know. Things happen, don't they? Players get injured. I don't think these, I don't think we need to be looking at methods. One thing, one thing I would say, and the, the question has been is, are we training wrong? Now, first and foremost, I'm going to say no, I don't think we are, because a lot of these injuries are either freak or they're not in training. But under Adkins, <clears throat> and this is from somebody within the club, when Wilder got there, he couldn't believe the way that they'd been training in the past. They were doing training sessions with no contact. And we can all remember what the football was like under Nigel Adkins. So I'd rather risk potentially getting a few little injuries and niggles here and there if they're going to train full-blooded and watch the kind of football we've had since Adkins left than watch that shower of shit that we had to watch for that season. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, that's why James Wallace's career never sparkled. Uh, I, I, I do, Jess. But like, it, it's that was a big thing, like, I think, it came, well, it came out, didn't it? Wilder said, oh, yeah, we've gone full contact in training. We haven't been doing that. Imagine how many people Jay McEvely would have injured in training. <laughs> Probably uh, himself. Yeah. Boys, yeah, I think I think all clubs have got injuries. Last season, we, there's still a bit of a recovery from the funny start to our season and then to the previous one to COVID. This season's going to be really weird as well. Um, and, and, you know, people who... Professional athletes get injured. And I think the results and the way we're playing on the pitch since McCall, Leicester and uh, Hecky and the team have been in, have been that positive. I don't think we need to start like overanalyzing training. Now, 
Heckingbottom himself did say some injuries had happened, some slight niggles had happened because of the quality of the surface last season, but the club have addressed that, even if it's not fully finished yet. So it's just one of those things. I mean, I feel like as well, if you are in the cost of living crisis that is happening all around us in 2022 as well, fortunate enough to have enough money to go and buy the new replica shirt, before you buy it, you can have a look at it at the shop and if you don't like it, because if I go and buy a shirt to wear when I'm courting, not courting, but you know what I'm saying, I'm out, I'll look at it in the shop and if I don't like the quality of it, I won't spend 55 quid on it. And... Um, the way football shirts are manufactured and stuff, like, oh, we should have these as well. Blah, blah. Like, I feel like we're, we're, we're sort of, as a fan base, we were getting relegated after one game. All the signings are crap. We've got a rubbish shirt. All the players are injured. Let's just, you know, football is amazing and it's all all consuming sometimes. But, you know, we could just like think about other stuff for a couple of hours a day and we might like you know smile occasionally because we shouldn't get so wet up about everything to do with United because we've got a great set of players and a good manager so we're in for a really good season and we should focus on that not how the stitching looks on the collar of a home shirt <laughs> and I'm still going to buy it because I get it every season and it'll probably complain about it myself so I'm just contradicting myself <laughs> Just buy a bigger size, John. No offence to you. They're just small fitting. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm not even... I'm going down. Well, I was hoping to go and take the lad for one, but the kids' ones aren't out. They haven't got the kids' kids out yet. Uh, going on holiday as well. We're going on holiday. I want to get photo outside hotel of us all at new kit. I know people have those traditions. It's fine, but it's what it is. Anyway, talking of big changes at United... Um, We've, we've discussed a lot of the signings previously. I think it's fair to say we're quite united on on how things are going off the pitch. Um, there's been a few things, particularly today, with Van Winkle uh, resigning from his position. So, any thoughts on that, gentlemen? Massive, well, we know the difference. Yeah. Massive news. Can't believe it. I don't know where we're going to go from here, to be honest. it's. Uh, does anyone know what he's done for the last two or three years? Well, if, you, if reading Darren Smith's tweets tonight quite a lot and it'll be a big hole to fill in United World and I'm like going well okay what's United World ever done for us don't ask what you can do what United World's done for you but what can you do for United World United World well yeah. uh, I, I, I think it's one of those it, it, it Changes happen on on a boardroom level all the time. You'll have certain fans being like, the snake in the grass has finally gone. He didn't want to see Wilder at Middlesbrough on Sunday. I mean, people change jobs. I think if 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 we get a lot of new, if we get all of a sudden a new entire like transfer team announced and coming in, then I think it, we could discuss it. But obviously, it is a big change. Uh, somebody who's been at the club how long now? What, five, six years? Six years, I think. Yeah, so it's a, it's a long time he's been involved. Um, and it, it was interesting. See, Wilder did speak very highly of him at getting deals done in the early days, and obviously that relationship didn't 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 stay as positive. But, yeah, so that's Is happened. It, I thought it was interesting. The, the, it was a bigger club statement today than when Wilder left. Not trying to throw the Wilder thing back in there, but it is... It is kind of, it was clear, well, look, whatever we think, we don't get the visibility of it. It was clearly highly thought of within the club circles. 
Well, it wouldn't be like a professional football club to be petty on the social media, would it, Ian? Come on. <laughs> Favour somebody over another. Just like in all workplaces, some people get a spitfire, some people get a don't let the door hit you on the way out. It's the way it is, isn't it? But um, that's obviously gone off. Apparently we've got an away kit coming on Friday, so cue mass. Yeah, but that's not that's not good enough. Joke, joke. That's what I saw today. Comic <laughs> joke. Wait, what do you mean we have do you mean we've got an away kit ready for the first away game of the season? The way we need to use it. Does it matter? It, to some people, Ian, who've got holidays to go on, it lands that when you're outside that Vegas sign, you don't want to be there in the old kit, dear, you, when you're on holiday. You want to be there in the new one, pristine, first time on. Anyway, we're taking the piss too much. It's all too all all too too serious. But we've got two games of football. Thursday yeah. Sunday, have we? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to predict tomorrow night's game, isn't it? Um, what do we think? I think it's hard because we don't know what side. I suspect they're going to make changes as well, and we don't know what that looks like. And I think you're right. I think we will make changes, but I think there'll be some players who play tomorrow and Sunday. They will play a large part of tomorrow and Sunday. Probably more defensive players, given some of the limitations we've got there. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd like the result for us is getting minutes in the key young players for me. And I always want us to answer my earlier question. I always want us to go out and win every match we play, you know, regardless. And we're in a position where we've got the players to, to try and do that and not impact the league form too much. So I'd like to think we'll win. It might be after penalties. It'll be a tight game, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I think it's always tight against Bruce's game, the Bruce's sides, isn't it? But I think we'll win as well. Um, I, I think there's certain elements of the side almost pick themselves because of the injuries that we've got, um, and I'll, I'll, for that reason, I think we will be we will be stronger than you perhaps anticipated. Um, added to the fact, I think we're bringing creativity in that have got a point to prove to try and get themselves into the side. I, confidence probably not the right word because you just don't know what you're going to get in these games. But I, I, I do think we'll win. I do think we'll win tomorrow. Well, the draw's just been made. And oh. we will play Derby County away in the second round if we're able to beat West Brom Chalbion. So if the motivation was low anyway, it's now. No, <laughs> Cheers, <it's>, Jeff. <laughs> uh, no, to be fair, I think these, I think... It'd be quite interesting, that, wouldn't it? Obviously, going up against a few old Yeah, Didsy again. And... Yeah, I mean, I'm still on six-week holidays. I might fancy that one if we get through. So, there we are. Yeah. So, it'll be uh, the week of the 23rd and 24th of August. Oh, shame. I'm in Nuki. Well, that'll be much better um, than that. But, yeah, there's some good beer to be drunk in Derby, though. Anyway... Um, I, th- I fancy is to win as well. I think it's interesting to say about the Bruce sides. Did quite well against his Villa, but then struggled against his terrible Newcastle team for some reason. Um, but yeah, Steve Bruce. I mean, Dan's not here. I'm sure now would be when he'd say something about like if he jumps up, he's got his own gravitational pulls. Anyway, we'll move on to Sunday. We're playing this old friend Wilder again. It's a, it's a really big game, that one. I would snatch your hand off for a point, although I don't think Middlesbrough are any great shakes yet. You know, they, 
the well fancied for a reason. And Wilder will not have been happy about what happened last time we played him. So it'd be interesting how that one goes. I I think we'll be lucky to get a draw there. Uh, <clears throat> but I'd like to I'd like to think we can get a draw. I'm very, very much the same as you, John. I'll snatch your hand off for a point now. Wilder's under from what I can gather, he's under a little bit of pressure though as well. So last season obviously came in with a bit of a fanfare and started well and dropped off a little bit. 3-0 down at half-time to QPR at the weekend. Okay, they pulled it back to 3-2, but they haven't got off to a great start to the season. They're struggling to get players in from what you're reading on social media. Lenehan suspended. Lose, if lose to us... Lose to us Sunday, and Wilder could be really under pressure. And we we all know what Wilder under pressure is like. He he can go one or two ways. He can either blow or come out fighting and and have a positive impact on his team. So I don't know. I think it'd be a really tough game if we get something. I'll be very very happy. Yeah, it's interesting about him being under pressure though, because like. Gibson's a very like generous chairman and he will have got what he wants in terms he will have had assurances when he took the job I presume there was never any uh, expectation to be challenging last season and really with the money in the division again not trying to like sound all big-headed but like you look at the strength in our playing squad now compared to that it can't be like realistic for expecting him to be challenging for automatic promotion this season so it's I don't know. I think it's it's interesting. Also, if you ask like Middlesbrough fans, they, I'm sure they, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes over the next ten games. And if Wilder Wilder fails and gets sacked at Middlesbrough, it'd be really interesting what his next job after that would be. Because I think no one was any good at touching him. He'd have to go and try and get some sort of like projects underway again. Because if he if he's not successful at Middlesbrough, he loses all the glow he's got with us from his time with us, I would say. I'm looking down their eleven. In fact I'm looking down their eleven in the bench away at QPR. And there's there's not many players I'd swap, if any, in our team. And so whilst I think naturally it will be a difficult game, it's an away game, you know, a solid championship side, I'm probably feeling a little bit more optimistic about it. Maybe misplaced. But I'd really like to think that we... I think I think we've got to go and be positive. Yeah. And that, that crowd will turn at the Riverside. If we if we go there and put them back with the result they've just had, and like I say, I presume I haven't checked, I presume Lenehan's suspended for, 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 for Sunday's game, that he hasn't taken the suspension midweek. But if he's missing from the back, that's a blow for them. You know, it's a player Wilder was after while he was with us. Well, sorry, while whilst whilst Wilder was in charge of us. Um, so I, I I think we could nick something Sunday. Hope so. It'd be really, be really, really big win. Um, frustrating for those who are unable to get that it's not on TV. Um, even though it's being played on Sunday, a bit like tomorrow's game at West Brom, actually. It's a bit silly that it's not on or available, but I'm sure people have a means to uh, to arrange and that should be one. And they could go and listen to Kevin Gage on SU TV. Yeah. Is he doing it still this season, Gagey? Yeah, it was him and Brian Dean on... Uh, um, well, Gage does the commentary and then it was him and Brian Dean doing the summarising on Saturday. Well, there we are. 
happy days. But yeah, so a mixed mixed bag of things. We didn't get Dan to text us his uh, predictions, actually, did we? That's a shame. That would have been interesting. I presume he's made it through Manchester Airport security in his back, by the way. Well, it's not. Yeah, maybe, possibly. Who knows? But yes, um, rant on Twitter tomorrow if he hasn't. He's he's still waiting, still looking at an empty baggage carousel, waiting for that final case to come off. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Anyway, we've we've got about ten minutes because we were determined to keep it short and relatively sweet uh, tonight, and um, we we started our new feature last week. I'm sure it'll appear on various other platforms before too long, but uh, we're putting together the Sheffield United uh, World Cup squad. Um, rules are simple. We're putting together a squad. We're not tied to a formation yet. I'm sure some debate will come. Uh, we're going to have three goalies, two left-backs, two right-backs, four centre-backs, maybe five, who knows, an abundance of midfielders, wingers, four or five strikers, 23. Uh the number 10 shirt and 23 strikers. Are we are we taking the Warnock formation? Yeah, Bruce Dyer's in. Uh, we've got and how high dong. We've got um the number depends, 10. Out, depends if I'm on my tiptoes. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh there we've got a bit of filth, a bit of smut for the dads. But yeah, the number 10 shirt's gone to Morgan Gibbs White, and we were discussing who, who was going to be someone else to be like solidly in our um in our squad for the t- the mystical tournament. And we're gonna, we've gone with a goalkeeper. We've gone with Phil. You can introduce him. Uh, one of my heroes growing up, probably, arguably, the best goalkeeper we've had, certainly in my lifetime, uh, Alan Kelly. Just technically perfect. As a, as, a, as a keeper, nowhere near, obviously, that kind of standard. But I feel I'm... I'm uh, I understand the position probably better than people that have never played in goal. He was, he was technically perfect. He, he, he was a goalkeeper that very rarely made a mistake. And that's the difference between the really good goalkeepers and the excellent goalkeepers. And Alan Kelly was excellent. And for that performance, OK, we lost the game to them bastards at S6 at, at Wembley. Christ knows what that result could have been if it hadn't been for him because he was just phenomenal in that game. And, and so many others along the way as well. And considering we picked him up for not a lot of money from Preston, for him to go on and have the, the career that he did, not just for us, but for Ireland, and went on to play for Blackburn and, and other clubs, he was just brilliant. For, for me, I would agree with you. You know, my 40, just over 40 years of watching United, he's the best goalkeeper I've seen. And we've had some good goalkeepers, although some of those goalkeepers will also make this squad. I'm sure, or will be a, certainly a debating point as to which ones make this squad. But for me... He's not my favourite United goalkeeper for a different reason, but technically the best, I think. Just everything he did, he did well. Everything. It looked easy. Mm. And, and that's the difference, isn't it? There was no there was no rushes of blood. There was no... You know, he didn't feel... You felt that every decision he was making was calm and rationally made. He was... And yeah, if it didn't come off, but he was doing it I'm trying to think of the right word. It was just the composure that you want from your keeper. Calm. Just calm. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, obviously, one of my fondest memories is uh, the shootout against Coventry. You know, and... about, I was about 10? No, 11. And, uh... 98, was it? Was it 98? I think it was. 
It, Paddy's Day 98. 98. Yeah, Paddy's oh, Day 98. 12 then. No, I wouldn't have. I would have been 11. But yeah, you know what I mean? Quite young still. And, you and know, if rumours are true, was offered the chance to play for Wednesday and flatly refused when he was at another club, which I love. I remember that. Back. I remember that night. I think we've talked about it on here before. I remember, my dad left me on John Street stand and went on pitch. Um, yeah, he was quite. <laughs> you mentioned that. I think, I, yeah, he ran. And anyone who knows what my dad's knees are like these days can tell how long twenty-four years ago. Yeah, but he was. He, Kelly was great. I mean, that period when we had him and Trace, it was the only. It was the only time I think I've ever owned goalkeeper shirts. Uh, obviously, the age I was and stuff. Like, what do you get the football mad kid for Christmas? But remember those sort of like purple and yellow Avec goalie tops with the wards on, where the badge was actually printed in like the pattern. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I had one of those. I was dead fond of that. And uh, Phil's going to Northern Monk, I believe. Sorcery. Oh, sorcery. And and well, in talking of sorcery, that's what Kelly. Hey, hey, hooked up that night on Paddy's Day, like just perfect one of those perfect nights in football. Where I mean, it seems absolutely bonkers now and has done for ages that like Coventry City was a scalp and we were the plucky underdog and stuff, but it just all they just all came together that night. Irishman in goal, saving the penalties. I mean, we've had we've had some of the taker, well, one of the takers on talking to us about that night and. Quinny was like, Quinny just said it was incredible. Obviously, he he scored a penalty in that in that, and just just a phenomenal night to be a blade. Probably, if you look at the stats, that was back in the times when there were people taking thousands of pounds on the turnstiles, and they'd probably tell you that there was only like twenty two thousand people there. But like the cop particularly was packed that night. The atmosphere was electric. But it wasn't the only shootout, was it either? If you go back to the cup run, like you say, that performance at Wembley will stick longer than memory, but he saved penalties in the shootout against Blackburn as well. Yeah. And I remember there's a there's a great piece of footage of Jamie Hoyland, and we talked we talked to Jamie about this, where he's in the centre circle, refusing to look, just, just playing with his playing with, he's playing with his wedding ring, or just playing with the rings on his fingers, not looking. If Alan Kelly was in the goal for us in a shootout, I felt we had a good chance. Mm. And and like I say, it just comes back to he, he was just a he was just a good shot stopper. He was more than that, though. It, oh it, no, he's more than that. But, but do you know what I mean? That that bit in the shootout was just we've not had many keepers where you've gone to a shootout thinking we've got a good chance here because we've got someone who's going to save penalties. And it's interesting you talked, Phil, about him not despite speaking so highly of him. He's, he's not your favourite United uh, goalie, but I think even. Obviously, I've not been supporting the club as long as you two. But, like, in my time, I can't... There's only been brief periods where we've not had, like, that recognised, like, number one who's actually been really popular. Like, Wes obviously probably needs to back it up this season. Before that, Henderson, uh, the one between those two, Scargill, we won't mention. But then, obviously, we had a bit of a dodgy period beforehand but Simon Moore was phenomenal for us and then you know it's it's a position where I think I think all clubs probably have it but United I don't know I, I always think that that number one jersey like this if if you get get it right the player can like be really 
like like a real favourite. And there's not many clubs where the goalkeeper is people's favourite player. It almost feels to me like we've always had good goalkeepers, apart from really short periods of time. And and uh, say again, as a keeper growing up, keepers were always my favourite players. My first goalkeeper I can remember was John Bullidge, who was just he was an entertainer. He wasn't just a good goalkeeper. He was an entertainer. I remember random name, Hans Sagers came on loan for a while and was just brilliant. And going up from 80s into the 90s with Simon Tracy and Alan Kelly and brief period and Mel Reese, bless his soul. And we, we just, we've, we've always had Paddy Kenny for your history of, of good goalkeepers. And, and if we're going to pick three for this squad, I mean, Alan Kelly's a given, he has to be in it. But there's so many others that you could pick. You mentioned Dean Henderson, Simon Moore. It's just we're we're lucky. We have we have been lucky with the goalkeepers we've had, apart from Steve Simmonson and Mark Bunn. Yeah, Mark Howard wasn't great either. Howard was all right. He wasn't. He was all right. What was his name that played at Burnley away that conceded three goals and got stuck off? (laughs) Yeah, and and well. Keeper, God rest his soul now, Andy Gorham, bless him. We had him on loan, didn't we, for four games, passed away in the summer. Uh, well, the one I'll, I'll, I'll go against that, we had we had Mel Re- uh, not Mel Re- um, Melvin Day on loan. And I think it was last game of the season against uh, Wimbledon away, and he was terrible. He only played once, didn't he? Yeah, and he was yeah. terrible. I was, I was on the way. Five-year old or something. Yeah. Wasn't it, wasn't it him that conceded? I might, I might be making this up. Didn't he concede the goal against Tony Curry? <laughs> he probably, yes, he did. He did for West Ham. You're right. That shows how old he must have been. <laughs> I, I'm just looking here, Lee, Lee, Lee Baxter. He played 25 games for AIK and Malmo before he joined us. He went on to play another 69 games in Swedish football. Such a long and illustrious career. You just know Warnock could have had a phone call, don't you? Oh, we've got this lad in. He's all right. I've heard he's pretty decent. If Paddy's injured, we'll get this lad in. I'll take a hundred grand for that one. Thank you very much. Lee, you're starting, son. <laughs> I've seen you on tape. Off you go. But but that's the point. He, he was subbed at half time for Alan Fettis. Oh, was oh, it Alan Fettis? Right, okay. Fettis, that was it. Say. Bearing in mind where we're at here, and another one, uh, rest in peace, Gary Kelly played for us for a while, for, was at the club for a while as he well. Was, yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know why, but I'd got it in my head that it was Gary Kelly that came on in that game. Yeah, no, it was Alan Fettis. Fettis. One stated a girl I dated at university. That, that was her <laughs> claim to fame when I met her. I said, well, I'm no Alan Fettis. I mean, that's someone to... That's, yeah, wow. Impressive. Well, that, is she now your wife? You know, no, so, no, no. Has Mrs. Has Mrs. Rand's dated any footballers? Not as far as I'm aware. No, I don't. I'll think, check. I'll, I'll check. I don't think my missus has, but my missus was a bridesmaid at Gary Taylor Fletcher's wedding. So there you go. Yeah, and, and the stunned silence brings that discussion. To to a close, but I think yeah, I think we we want we want people's opinions on Alan Kelly, don't we? We do. We want want some memories. memories. Ian will do some like Twitter magic around that, uh, and then we can talk about it next week. We didn't really do it with Morgan Gibbs White. Some of us have been on holiday, and it's all just been a bit much. But we 
you know, two out of 23 down and we're not even out of August, so we're doing okay. But it's been, I'm looking forward to the games in the next couple of days. Um, it'd be really good to get through in the cup. I think players need minutes and if, and if we can get something at Middlesbrough, particularly the way you've span it there, Ian and then Phil, with the pressure that he's under, I think maybe my my draw was a bit negative, but hopefully that means we don't get any pelters on social media for our positivity. <laughs> but anyway, it's been really lovely, lads, even though it's very late, talking to you about football. And I uh, hope all the listeners have enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week before or maybe after Sunderland, depending. But uh, we're going to be four blades in the pub before Sunderland, which is something these days that doesn't happen that often. So we're all looking forward to a pint that evening at the Sheaf. If you see us, buy us a pint. If you see us and you don't like us, why are you still listening to a podcast that's been going 45 minutes? Right, we'll see you soon. All the blades. All the blades. <laughs> new trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being cleaned. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. But fellas are blade too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader for H. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www glisteningkicks.co.uk give them a shout the process is dead easy they collect them safely and then drop them back off with you and if you take them round yourself that process could be even quicker um, they look feel and smell like new and it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us nice one cheers for that I'm going to get on to them straight away what was their Insta again at glistening underscore kicks that's the one. Really good service, and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades.